0: I don't know about you, with um, you know, your family, or friends back in Canada. Yeah. but that, like, them minds are blowing people yes. back home when I, mean, I explain that the mortgage system here and that, like, Absolutely. oh no, my interest rate isn't going to change. That's yeah, that's the yeah no, yeah. and I can pay it yeah. off whenever I want, and I won't yeah. have to pay any fees or yeah. anything like that.
1: Welcome back to part two of our mini series about the state of the international housing market and investor activity. To recap, we welcomed CoreLogic economist Tom Malone and discussed why the U.S. mortgage market's 30-year fixed rate offerings are so unique and talked about how investors have influenced the housing prices. Let's jump into it.
0: Yeah, so advantages, yeah, definitely, definitely for the owners. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, just reveal preferences most people get. 30-year fixed-rate mortgages. Yeah. So yeah. People clearly like it. Um, yeah. Potentially, you could say advantages to the mortgage brokers as well, like them, them giving out mortgages is a much lower-risk industry. Here. Mm-hmm. You, you buy it, you sell it on to someone else like collect the fee as opposed to bearing the risk yourself. So
2: yeah. potentially, yeah.
0: they'd like it. Um, the disadvantages of it is that it content it potentially concentrates risk into sort of a focal point like it's Mm -hmm. thinking back to the the noughts and the the housing crisis back in the Mm 2000s yeah it would be difficult to envision that unfolding the same way if there wasn't securitization
2: sure yeah
0: yeah um but furthermore like to bring it to kind of current events it potentially blunts the effects of monetary policy as well. Like the the inflation is high. The Fed is raising interest rates to try and get inflation down. But that increase in interest rates is only going to be felt on the consumer side, at least not Mm -hmm. considering businesses and things like that here, by people who are buying a new home. It Mm. doesn't get absorbed by people who are in an existing home. Oh interesting. Okay. Their rate's gonna stay the same, but in yeah. a different country or if they have an if they have an arm, rates are gonna go up, your home payments gonna go up as sure. well yeah. well. If yeah. you're a current owner, that means you've got to spend more on your payment on your home payment, which means hey, you're gonna spend less on other things
2: like on other things, yeah.
0: If my if I had to pay more on my mortgage, I you know wouldn't buy a new TV or something mm-hmm. like that. Right.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. I, I want to change to one other thought, you know, that's that's related to this as well, too, is, you know, we've talked a lot on this podcast with, you know, Molly and others and your, and your colleagues about how inflation impacts housing prices here in the U.S. So if we look outside of the U.S. to some of these other countries where their mortgages work differently, too, is still is it does it work the same does inflation kind of linked to housing price growth and decline
0: um it no it definitely is um in many of the same ways it's because all the factors are still at play there's just a segment of the population that's kind of shielded from it that aren't shielded in other countries
1: Learn more about how the lock-in effect has an outsized influence on the current state of the U.S. property market in Episode 60 that aired this season on May 3rd. It's called Has the Economy Locked in U.S. Housing Market Price Stagnation. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So, you know, as we mentioned, the U.S really sensitive to inflation you know we haven't seen steep declines you know inflation's at an all-time high right now we haven't seen steep declines you know for reasons that we've talked about do you think that we'll start to see that in the u.s oh
0: you know i can't predict the future with sony but (laughs) probably i probably not it's um Mm. It, or at least, there's not really a good reason to think that we okay. would see a big decline. You know, oh, interesting. Um, okay. There's only been one really big house price crash in since we've been recording house prices really reliably. Um, okay. And that, yeah, and that was in the two. Th- and that was
2: in the the Great Recession.
0: Yeah, that was the Great Recession, yeah. and you know, in that case, there were a lot of foreclosures and. Mm-hmm. A lot of people defaulting on their mortgages and yeah. forcing a lot of sales. But in this circumstance, people, most people can afford their mortgage and are pretty comfortable in their home and yeah. there's there's no need to, for, there's no factor that's forcing a bunch of sales. And right. without that, there's not much of a reason to think that there's going to be a steep decline. And so it can also, it like it could happen, but We just, you need to identify kind of a source for that to happen and it's hard to see exactly what that source is right now Um, when people seem to be, where, um, you know, lending standards have been improved, people are pretty able to afford their
2: homes. Yeah. Is there any specific markets where we're seeing any trends, whether it be like increases or big declines or, you know, potential areas where people are defaulting on their mortgages? Are there are there cities? I know, you know, specifically, I think of the Bay Area. I recently moved out of the Bay Area. Um, That's a market that's always had skyrocketed house prices. It still does. I've seen, you know, some areas have seen a little bit of a decline for those that live there it doesn't feel like a decline because it's still really high but yeah are there are there areas that that we're seeing specifically
0: yeah there's been well it's kind of interesting we've seen some decline we've seen some declines in some of the big pandemic increase Mm -hmm. areas yeah you know uh the mountain west cities like Boise for instance mm-hmm. um yeah. that was one that got a lot of press for booming and yeah. during the during the pandemic it prices have declined there quite a bit um prices have declined in Phoenix quite a bit you know prices have declined yeah. prices have declined on the west coast but it's um it's interesting cuz it's kind of uh, it, it's a bit of a waterfall effect mm-hmm. I think, actually mm-hmm. um you know prices started to decrease a- Bit in January. And of 2023? That, yeah, in January okay. 2023. And when that started happening, it was mostly in the most expensive West Coast mm-hmm. markets. Mm-hmm. Then it sort of started to... I bought move.
2: one of those houses.
0: Oh. <laughs> Where did you move from, by the <laughs> way?
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I moved from the San Francisco Bay area to the San Diego area. So, Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. yeah and the house we ended up buying, um, we saw this house months before and it was significantly more expensive than it was listed at when, because it was still on the market when we bought it so yeah we, yeah. we took advantage of that price decline that happened
1: While many people did leave high-tech hubs during the pandemic, the calls for employees to go back into the office are growing. The result is that high-paying tech job centers keep attracting first-time home buyers. Research from CoreLogic showed that the share of first-time home buyers is much higher in high-cost metros where there are high-tech job opportunities. At the same time, the additional buying power found in affordable Midwestern markets continues to attract this population. A link to the research is in the show notes.
0: Yeah, so, but kind of to that thick, prices start declining in places like San Diego
2: San mm-hmm. Francisco,
0: like expensive West Coast markets. But yeah. eventually, this kind of brings the price down to such a point that suddenly the difference between it and other areas of the country is not as big anymore. And that kind of reorients demand mm. back mm-hmm. to those areas. And then that means that demand starts moving back to those areas. That means it's moving away from the cheaper areas. And then we start to see prices slow down or go down in the cheaper areas. That's why, you know, at the start of the year, we were seeing declines on the West Coast and increases in places like Mm -hmm. the Southeast. And as of a couple of months ago, it had kind of started to flip. We're starting to see increases. We saw some increases on the West Coast. Um, And prices starting to slow down in the florida kind of areas
2: interesting is that seasonal or is that is it a fact of like people moving out of high-tech centers moving to more affordable locations because they now are working remote or is it just you know it ebbs and flows is there a reason yeah it's
0: kind of it's kind of like the national cycle expressing itself with different timing across the country so like you think of it like let's say Interest rates are a national factor, right? Yeah. Because as we mentioned before, your mortgage is gonna get bought by the same GSEs no matter where you buy in the country.
2: Right. Yeah.
0: So interest let's say interest rates go down, demand goes up. This kind of shifts it to the most expensive places first, like mm-hmm.
2: because
0: they're the places where people most want to be. So yeah. that moves demand to sort of like San Fran- a place like San Francisco or the West Coast more generally. That bids yeah. up prices there. The price difference between that and the second most expensive place gets enough that eventually demand reorients itself to the second place. Prices get bid up there. It reorients itself to the third most expensive place, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, yeah, prices, yeah. Price increases kind of work their way down in a bit of a waterfall fashion.
2: Okay. And
0: same deal with price declines. Yeah. yeah. So there's going to be kind of a, Ebb and flow between the cities. I think as prices yeah. start to recover and increase and, beyond their previous peak.
2: Yeah, and is is it similar to when we think of you know outside of the U.S. some other you know global metros like Auckland and others? Are we seeing kind of a similar sort of trend?
0: Um, well, Auckland's still going down. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's really this. The mortgages are kind of, it's the mortgage factor kind of at yeah. play in Auckland. Like, um, my mother sold her house in December 2021. So, okay. <laughs> sort of uh, right at, or right close to the peak. Kind uh, of the
2: peak, uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, the person who bought that home had a mortgage. Um, that mortgage was really low at the time of buying. Mm-hmm. so <laughs> That mortgage is probably not so low now, assuming they picked two years. Mm-hmm. As that
2: very. It's mm-hmm. probably
0: gone up a few percent, yeah, in terms of the payment. So, in a lot of cases, that means that people might not be able to make that payments anymore, and
2: sure, yeah, they
0: have to sell. Prices decline in turn,
2: right? Right? Yeah, interesting.
0: And that dynamic hasn't really stopped in Auckland yet.
1: Before we finish this episode, let's take a break and talk about what's happening with natural disasters. CoreLogic's Hazard HQ Command Central reports on natural catastrophes and extreme weather events across the world. A link to their coverage is in the show notes. Hurricane season continued strong through the end of October, particularly in the Pacific. On October 5th, Typhoon Koinu, Typhoon Gini in the Philippines, made landfall over southern Taiwan. During the storm, a historic wind gust of 213 miles per hour or 342 kilometers an hour swept over Orchid Island, nearly 50 miles east of southern Taiwan. On the U.S. side of the Pacific, Hurricane Otis made landfall in the greater Acapulco area in Mexico. The intensification of the storm surprised meteorologists. In a 24-hour period, it increased to a Category 5 hurricane, becoming the strongest tropical cyclone on record to affect the Mexican state of Guerrero. Before we finish our episode, though, we wanted our listeners to know about an upcoming event in January where they can meet some of our experts, including May Claire, in person. I'm Garrett Gray, and I'm standing here at the Fairmont in Austin, and I can't wait to see you at Interconnect 2024. Interconnect is where the insurance restoration industry comes together to solve tomorrow's problems today. So come on down to Austin, make sure you have a seat at the table, because we need your voice. There's not one group or company that can tackle these problems alone. It's all of us coming together to focus on the lives beyond the buildings. Register today and I'll see you in Austin.
2: Okay, I know you don't have a crystal ball and you can't make any predictions, Tom, but you know, anything, you know, the U.S. globally that we may know or what we can expect to see from home prices in the next few months, is it going to continue just as as it is or are we going to see anything kind of dramatically change in the next few months?
0: Um, probably a lot of nothing in the next few mm. months. Um, <laughs> that in that pri- prices will probably keep going up a bit. bit. Okay. Okay. And this is all assuming, it seems a pretty reasonable assumption that interest rates are going to stay really Mm -hmm. high for
2: quite a while. Where they are for quite a while, yeah. Yeah.
0: As long as that's the case, there's not going to be that much demand. There's going to be people still trying to stay in their homes. There's going to be a disincentive for people to move out of their homes because they'll have to give up their low interest rate.
2: Yeah.
0: that means fewer buyers, but in turn also fewer sellers. And that means that the it's harder for a buyer to find kind of their match with fewer homes on the market. Yeah. And then that results in decrease, in sort of decreased inventory, higher prices sort of at sure, the end yeah. of the day. So high pri- higher prices, not many sales.
2: Yeah. Interesting. Well, Tom, this has been so great. Thank you for joining me today on Core Conversations, the Core Logic Podcast. Thanks for having me. All right, and thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our latest episode. Please remember to leave us a review and let us know your thoughts and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to be notified when new episodes are released. And thanks to the team for helping bring this podcast to life. Producer Jesse Devenins, editor and sound engineer Romeo Roman, our facts guru Erica Stanley, and social media duo Sarah Buck and Makayla Brooks. Tune in next time for another Core Conversation.
1: You still there? Well, thanks for sticking around. Are you curious to know a little bit more about our guest today? Well, Tom Malone is an economist in the office of the chief economist at CoreLogic. He is responsible for analyzing housing markets and home price trends with a particular focus on investors. He has an extensive background in urban and real estate economics and applied econometrics. You can read more of his analysis at corelogic.com forward slash intelligence. The link is in the show notes.